Um, we, we have been uh, in a series of talks uh, that started last week that we're calling Bless, right? And if you were here last week, you, you will hopefully remember that when we say bless, what we're saying is, is that we want to take this big vision of seeing heaven invade earth and create a pathway for what can seem to be impossible to start to live through us. We don't just want the gospel of Jesus to change your life. We believe that when Jesus changes your life, that the gospel begins to live through you and affects the lives of those who are around you. And when we are all living to bless those who are around us, hear me, we will not just talk about the gospel influencing every area of our city. We will begin to live in the middle of the gospel influencing every area of our city. We don't just want to play church. Can I get an amen? I'm not here on Sunday just to throw a couple of encouraging words at you and you leave feeling like, man, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. And then you go home and then you never even think about Jesus for the rest. That's not why we're here. We, we are here because we actually believe, we do this because we believe that Jesus wants to redeem, change, heal, and set fire to the city of Austin in such a way that it will impact the world. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're here. And that big idea simply will live in us and through us if all of us say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bless those who are around us. And when we say that, it means this. We want to begin to pray for them. We want to listen to their stories. We want to encourage them. We want to serve them. And then we want to share Jesus with them. And what we talked about last week is that we have to begin to pray. And hopefully you have absorbed the fact that when we pray, two things begin to happen. It moves us and God hears us. When we pray, it moves us and God begins to hear us. And we, we use this illustration of, of, this, of, of the dirt and tilling the soil. And we're saying like, God, we want to be not just people that are, are gospel seed sowers. We want to be heart preparers. So when the gospel seed, the story of Jesus actually is heard, that it falls on a soft heart that our prayers have tilled that soil, that, that we, we want to be people that do sow the seed of the story of God in and through every relationship that we have. But before oftentimes that message can be heard, we have to be ground preparers, not just seed sowers. Are you with me? And so we believe that when we pray, things begin to change. And where we want to be leaning in today is what does it mean for us to not just be ground preparers, to be those who begin to pray, but what, what does it mean for us to be good listeners? What, 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 is it, what does it mean for us to not just be those who begin to pray for those who are around us, but, but to be a good listener? Now, look, my, my wife's not here. She's home with a sick kid, unfortunately. But we have been married for 18 years. Yeah, I feel good about it. I feel really good about it. 
Now, some of you uh, heard a bit of the beginning of our dating relationship last week. And I got so many questions, right? Because people came up to me and they're like, dude, that date went horrible. But, and, and the other guy that was pursuing her had like money, abs, and he's a for real supermodel. What happened, you know? And the truth is, I don't really fully know. I, I can't give you a real good reason on how I ended up winning, but all I do know is that I won, okay? And, and I have been winning for 18 years. And in 18 years of marriage, you're going to learn a lot. Um, and and what, one of them is that as a dude, I didn't really know anything. I was unaware of that. Before I got married, I was unaware that actually everything I had learned up to that point was a wash because I needed to be retaught how to do everything. Can I get an amen? All right. And, and so there's, there's a, you know, when you're young, I mean, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so there are these things that you can go to, you know, like little engagement retreats, little things that, you know, that they can help you begin to have conversations that you really don't have when you're dating, you know, like you, you really, you, you really don't talk about communication much, right? When, when, you're, when you're dating someone, you know, it's easy to communicate with them. You know, you're just excited to be with them and you're talking. You might have a little bit of a fight, but it's really not a fight. You know what I'm saying? It, and and it's, it's all great. But then you get engaged and you're like, we have an issue. <laughs> and so, you know, we go to this engagement retreat because we know like, well, we got to figure this thing out. Like if this is, good, if this is actually going to work, like we have a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? And so we go to this little, this little engagement thing that, that our church was putting on. And I got to say, man, it was, it was super fun. Like, because not only were we talking about all the usual suspects that you talk about, communication, finances. I mean, I was learning things. I, did you, I, I saw on the budget, there was a byline for beauty. I was, and so I put zero. You know, I mean, like, and it came back. Liz had multiple zeros on her beauty line. I was like, what is that? What is beauty? Right, so you know, you're having to learn about budgets and, and different things, you know, and you're talking about sex and, and all these things. And I was just like, I don't need to talk about that. I'm ready. You know what I mean? Like I was, and so honestly, I went into this engagement retreat thinking like, I got this. I'm a, I'm, I'm a stud. I'm a catch. I love God. You know, like, come on now. And, and so we're, we're, we're in this little thing. And so they made it fun, right? You weren't just like listening to lectures. You would play some games from time to time. Now, here's the best part. I'm 22 years old. If you would have asked me, hey, are you good at communication? I would have looked you in the, the pupils of your eyes and said, I am an incredible communicator. <laughs> but at age 22, I didn't know that actually communication wasn't just talking. Right? Like I was an accomplished talker. But what I realized is that I was a horrible listener. And we played this game that just revealed that. I mean, it was a simple game. All the girls took their shoes off and they put them in the middle of the room. All the dudes put blindfolds on. And at three, two, one, go, you have to find your fiance's shoes and then get back to her and put them on her feet. This is simple. Three, two, one, go, and it's pandemonium, man. 
I mean, it is chaos. It is yelling. It is screaming. There are shoes flying. And can I just be, can I tell you the truth? My beautiful wife was silent. I, I thought she left. I legit thought she went to the bathroom. I'm over here digging through shoes with the blindfold and Liz isn't even here. And so I'm, you want to talk about getting mad? Oh, I was mad. And so I'm so mad, I'm thinking, look, if I don't have an offense, if I don't have an offensive strategy in this game, I sure as heck have a good defensive strategy. I started grabbing shoes with both hands and throwing them as far as I could across the room. Because I'm like, dude, look, no, if I can't hear, ain't nobody else going to have an easy time hearing either. And I can't hear any direction from Liz. Zero, hey, go over here. Nothing. I, I mean, I am so frustrated. I literally get on my knees as I'm digging around shoes and I'm like, say something. <laughs> and the next thing I hear is, okay, JD, you can take your blindfold off. And it hit me. Oh, we got last place. We just lost. Now, here's the deal. Some of you guys are like, oh, it's just a silly game in an engagement retreat. Shut up. Okay. It mattered. And so I, I am fear. Now, here's the deal. Like, you, you want to talk about insult to injury? I took my blindfold, and I just happened to lock eyes with one of the couples that was there with us that weekend. And it hit me. That dude is deaf. They've been signing to each other all weekend. How in the dump did we lose to a deaf guy who was wearing a blindfold? And so my frustration goes from like level 10 to level 1 million as I'm asking the question, do I want to marry this girl? And she's like, I can't believe you're this mad. And I'm like, I can't believe that you're not mad. Here's what I learned in that game. The first thing is never be a teammate with Liz. She is a horrible teammate. All right? I'm not even going to say I'm joking because I'm not. Okay? The second thing that I learned was that I am a way better talker than I am listener. Because the truth of the matter is that Liz was giving me instructions the entire time. But when you're so focused on what you feel like you need to do, that you can't hear the directions of those who are around you, then you miss opportunity. Can I say that again? When you're so focused on what you need to do that you can't hear those who are around you, you miss opportunities. I believe that there are more things being said all around us that we're missing because we're not listening. There are more things being said around us that we are missing because we are not listening. Now, here's the thing. Let me take you into my world. I got four kids. I'm going to be honest with you. If you ask me what my job is, I might not tell you pastor. I would probably tell you I'm an Uber driver because that's what I feel like I do. I feel like all that I do is run children from one place to the next. 
All right? Like literally, I get home from work, pick up a child, drop them off at practice, go pick up another child that's, you know, had to wait outside because we couldn't be two places at one time. I'm trying to figure out, do we have a budget to, to, to hire a driver? Right? So needless to say, I am hurrying through everything that I'm doing. I, I'm rushing through everything that I'm doing. And, and, and here's the theory. Where the pressure of where I'm going becomes greater than me realizing where I am. I can't see the people who are next to me, let alone hear them. What we need to do is become, I'm sorry, when, when what we need to get done becomes more important than where we are, when, when, when what is coming next gets louder than the stories that are around you, we're actually not able to hear anything. So yeah, we have these ears, but we're walking through life like this. So yeah, I'm at soccer practice, but I can't hear anything. I'm, I'm, I'm walking through my neighborhood with my dog, I can't hear anything. Because I'm, I'm so consumed with where I'm going and all that is happening that I can't hear anything that is happening around me. So let me ask you a question. How can we bless those who are around us if we can't even hear those who are around us? The story that I want us to lean into today is a story in the Gospels in Mark 5, verse 21. And it's a, it's a story that's known as the woman that has the issue of blood. And it says this in verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came when he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there, who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she was getting worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up from behind him in the crowd and she reached out and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she fell in her, she felt it in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his discipleship answered, yet you ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And I want you to underline this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him 
the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while Jesus was speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what was being said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. There's so much that we can pull from this story, but I really want us to lean into verse 33. And again, it says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear and told the whole truth. Can you see that Jesus knew what this woman needed was not just to be healed, but was to be heard? Jesus knew that this woman did not just need a physical miracle. She needed to be heard. It's amazing to me that first Jesus was so engaged with what was going on around him that he noticed that someone touched him and power came out of him. He was so in the moment that he did not miss where he was. Can we all agree that Jesus was heading to a very important meeting? He had looked into the eyes of a father who was pleading with him and saying, please come, my daughter is dying. You need to come and pray for her. And I know that when you come and you pray for her, that she is gonna be well. And so it says that Jesus went with him. They were on their way to pray for a little girl who was sick and dying. I think that's a little bit more important than trying to juggle soccer practice and cheerleading. Yet Jesus was so present that he did not miss that someone touched him. He was so focused on being where he was that he did not miss what was happening around him. Jesus did not live life like this, focused on what needed to get done, where he needed to go, so laser focused on where he was going that he missed what was happening. You know, Jesus did not live like that. Jesus lived like this. Jesus lived listening. Listen to John 5, 19. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus lived with his ear towards heaven and his ear towards heaven opened his ears to what was happening here on earth. 
He lived listening for the direction of his father, which always leads us to what his father is doing around us. And so when Jesus felt the power leave him, it, it, the healing happened already. This is what's so crazy. The woman got what she was looking for. She was healed. Jesus knew that she was healed. But instead of even just like being like, oh, cool, somebody just got healed, he stopped. And he said, who touched me? It's because Jesus knew something that that I think that he wants us to learn today. And that is this, that sometimes we perceive the problem before we listen to the story. This woman had an issue. She needed to be physically healed. But how many of you know that issues don't stay isolated? That issues create issues. And this woman who was physically in pain had also been practically drained. Her resources had been stripped from her. And she was desperately trying to figure out, how am I going to get well? So she was at the end of her resources, at the end of herself. And she was physically broken down and emotionally affected by this physical issue. When your body is broken, it's, it's, it's easy for your mind to get affected. And this woman came to Jesus trying to get the physical part of her body healed. But Jesus, because he was living with his ears towards heaven, he understood it's not just about her physically getting healed. It's about her emotionally being heard. And so Jesus said, who touched me? And then he listened to her before he explained what happened to her. Ooh, I wish you heard that. Before Jesus explained that she had been fully healed, he listened to her whole story. Before Jesus said, hey, cool, 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 you're all better now. Don't worry about anything. He listened to her whole story story. She told him the whole truth. She got her miracle, but Jesus knew that she wasn't just there to be healed. She was there to be heard. And I want to say that God is moving on those who you are praying for. Just like we talked about last week, when you pray, that rocky soil begins to get tilled. And it creates a place where the seed of the gospel can fall in good soil that will then bear much fruit. But we have to be people who also listen to their whole story before we start explaining to them what's happening inside of them. God's moving, and he wants to heal people. 
but he's also given us ears so that we can hear people. You know, just this week, I was in the middle of the hustle and I had grabbed my son, Kevin, and we were leaving soccer practice and I am full on, I've got my headphones on, but I'm not listening to anything. How many of you guys do that? Right? It's just the, it's kind of that, the cultural sign, leave me alone, right? So I've got my headphones on. I'm not listening to anything. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Kevin and I faintly hear behind me a yell, hey, how was school? What I wanted to do was act like I didn't hear the question. Because what I'm thinking is, I got to get Kevin home. I got to get this dude some dinner, right? I got to pick this up for Liz on the way back to the house. Then I got to make sure that everybody takes a shower. And here's the thing. I didn't know this before I was a parent. I got to make sure that people use soap when they take a shower. And I'm thinking about all these things that I need to do and all, all that needs to happen. And I hear that like, hey, how was school? And I'm thinking like, dude, just turn around and be like, good. And then run. But I was like, oh, dude, man, no, you just read this scripture. I was like, dude, I, you know, I, I hate it when God does that. I'll be honest with you. Where it's just like I've been studying the whole morning before, just being like, oh, man, this is great, man. We got to hear people and we got to pray for them to be healed. And then it's just like, hey, and I'm like, I'm out of here. And so I'm like feeling like, dude, I just want to get out of here, dude. Like, man, I, I, I got places to be. But I turned around and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, listen. And so I said, man, first day of school was good for us. How about y'all? Dude, the floodgates open. You ever ask a question, you're like, oh, okay, all right. We're about to talk. You know what I mean? Like. Because you know what? I had actually forgotten that two years ago, this family that was on Kevin's soccer team, that the wife had died from cancer. And we all know the chaos of last year and school was all crazy, but here's this now new single dad with a son who's going into sixth grade with no mom. And he was running through everything that he did to try to prepare his son for the first day of school. And I just felt like just as I was trying to listen and not hustle, I was trying to listen to the whole story. I felt like God was like, you need to encourage him and tell him he did a good job. And so I looked at him, I'm like, dude, you did good, man. I was like, I bet he had a great day because of all the stuff that you did. He's like, yeah, it went really smooth. He was like, the bus was super late. I was like, I know, dude, us too. You know, like, his, I didn't mind, though. When the kids didn't get home until like 530, I'm like, I like this. I like, <laughs> keep riding the bus. I'm a, I'm a truth teller, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because when we listen to people, hear me, we actually then know how to encourage people. Encouragement is not simply being nice. Encouragement is speaking life into where there was death. That's what encouragement is. And so when we say that we want to be a people who encourage 
them. We're not just saying walk around and just say nice things to people like, hey, that's a cool shirt. Do that too. People need that. But that's not really what encouragement is. Encouragement is speaking a word that is going to bring life into a situation that was dead. Someone that feels lost all of a sudden feels seen. And, and I could see it on this dude's face when I said, man, you did a good job. It's like, man, that dude had been waiting for somebody to see him. But I never would have had the opportunity to speak that life into him if I hadn't first listened to him. We have to take these off. And we need to start living with these on. Because being a ground preparer is also being a great listener. And it's also being an encouragement giver. Hebrews 3.13 says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I mean, that is just a put it on your fridge scripture. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Listen, the sin that is in us and the sin that is all around us has one goal, and that's to harden the heart that is in us, to callous us, to, to tempt us to believe, to isolate ourselves, even if we believe the truth, to be hardened. But what does encouragement do? Encouragement does not allow sin's deceitfulness to harden the heart that is within us. So encouragement is not just being friendly. Encouragement is a weapon. Encouragement is a weapon. I love Proverbs 18, 21. It says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat of its fruit. That when we speak, we can speak life into dead things. Or when we speak, we can speak death into living things. That there is power in the words that we say. And if we go back even to Mark 5, the story that we've been leaning into today, it started with Jesus making his way to pray for this sick little girl. But he was so present that he stopped and he listened to this woman's entire story who had been fully healed. And it says this in verse 38, that when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. People were crying and wailing loudly, and he went in and he said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. They couldn't hear him because they were so focused on what was happening in front of them. 
And after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him, and he went to where the child was, and he took her by the hand, and he said, Talithakum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And it says immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. Hear me. Every day we walk around people that might be in the middle of the scariest, darkest, most isolating, overwhelming thing they have ever encountered in their life. And Jesus shows us in Mark 5 that we are here to hear them and to speak life into the dead things that are inside of them. And as we do that, what was dead will begin to come alive. And God will use what's happening in a few to astonish the many. Do you see that in the passage? One girl got healed. They were all, everyone, everyone who was there was completely astonished because God will always use what's happening in a few hearts to completely astonish the many. You see, being about heaven coming to earth is not something that we do. It's not something that we talk about. It's who we are. We're groundbreakers. We're, we're incredible listeners. And we're encouragement givers. And when we do that, it's like every time that we, that we be, begin to pray for somebody and every, every time that we begin to listen to what's really happening in the lives of those who are around us and we begin to speak life into the areas of their hearts that are, that are, that are drowning them and, and, and hurting them, we speak life into those areas that that soil of their soul just gets softer and softer and softer. You see, we're not just seed throwers. We're ground preparers. We're great listeners. And we're encouragement givers because we want to bless everybody who is around us. How does this big vision of heaven coming to earth happen? It's we bless those who are around us. We begin to pray for them. We listen to them. We encourage them. We serve them. And we share Jesus with them. And when we're doing that, the gospel that is alive in you will begin to move through you. And the gospel of Jesus living in you and moving through you is what our city needs. That's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to change the world. It's not just a good plan and a strategy. It's not new policy and different political leaders. What's going to change the world is a group of people that say, I want the gospel of Jesus to be alive in me and living through me. And I'm going to bless everybody who is around me. And when that happens, it begins to transform lives. And transform lives leads to transformed families. And transformed families leads to transformed neighborhoods. And transformed neighborhoods leads to transformed cities. And I believe that a transformed city will change the world. Would you stand to your feet with me? And here's how we want to respond today. We, we want to lean in that we would all be those who have ears to hear what's happening around us because the opportunity 
is to hear and then encourage those who are around us. And there are many things that will clog our hearing, the chaos of our daily life, pain of our past, our own mess and chaos that's stirring inside of us, the uncertainties that we are feeling in our own relationships, the complexity in our marriage, all of those things are like earplugs that get put into our ears that tempt us to just walk through soccer practice and never even look at someone, let alone listen to somebody. And so we need to allow Jesus to heal us so that then he can use us. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, there's so much noise inside of me. There's no way I could even consider hearing what's going on around me. I want you to know you don't have to leave here deafened by the chaos of what's going on in your life that you can encounter the living God and he will bring a peace that will surpass your ability to understand and there will be freedom for you in this place. And so the band is gonna begin to sing in a minute and this is what we're gonna keep it really simple. If you're like, man, I need my ears to be cleaned out, I want you just to make your way up here. As a, as, almost as like a declaration of like, yeah, I'm not just gonna hustle through life anymore. I'm, I'm gonna be somebody who's gonna fight for my ears to be clean so that I can have an ear to heaven and allow myself to hear what's going on on earth. And just say, God, would you come and touch me? Because again, it's the gospel living in you that is the beginning to the gospel moving through you. And so it's like, God, would you just touch me? Would you open my ears up? You might need to repent and be like, man, I have been hustling through life. I have been just trying to get to the next thing. And the invitation for you is to slow down and listen to the whole truth of the people who are around you. Because yes, they might need physical healing, but just like Jesus showed us in Mark 5, he didn't just wanna see this woman healed. He wanted to make sure this woman was heard.